So good morning, everyone, and welcome to St. Petersburg Global Ministries forward slash our Christian Women Empowerment. Thank you so much for uh, being our guest on today. This is your host, Pastor and Apostle Diane Winbush. We have a lined up. This is our first episode for our Singles and Marriage Conference. And these two guests that we have um, in the studio with us today is going to be able to help you to be able to um, gear your marriage. And for those that are not married, it's going to be able to help them to impact their relationship. And then some questions we need to be asking before we get married. <laughs> so that is very, very important, especially in the Christian setting and the, in the Christian church, something that we rarely talk about in certain backgrounds, ethnicities, cultures. We leave it out and what have your people are suffering in the pews. They're suffering beyond the pews. And that's the purpose of this conference is to be able to bring you the answers that you need. So to be able to help us to understand that more, we uh, welcome to the studio. Um, um, the CEO of Motivational Mary. She's also a relationship strategist and coach and mentor, Miss Mary Wyatt. So good morning. Good morning. And we also have with us uh, this morning uh, uh, Rabbi Shloma Slatkin, and he's also the founder <clears throat> of Marriage Rest the Marriage Restoration Project. So he has tons of resources, just like Mary does, to be able to help you to get repaired, repaired, and we're not talking about divorce today. So this is a repairing and getting you started. So uh, good morning, Rabbi, and welcome to the studio. Good morning. Thank you. It's a so, pleasure to be here. Thank you. So we're going to start with Mary. So tell us a little bit about you, Mary, and then also as to um, a little bit about your um, organization and your purpose and what kind of compelled you to be able to inspire women and inspire men, too, I would assume, to be able to help them in their relationship. My organization started by means of me trying to find a way to be a mom at that time where being a hands-on mom, not just actually working full-time and getting another job. So it was a means of answering my prayer. And God showed me that in the midst of answering my prayer, I had a gift to help women that struggle from past failures in their relationship and being a survivor of bullying as well as domestic violence. Mm -hmm. So my desire is to help cultivate healthy relationships at home first, so that we can see positive results in the community as well as in organizations. Because if we can take a step towards building healthy relationships at home, then we can prevent the bullying and domestic violence and being in unhealthy relationships. So I do speak my primary audience is women, but as the Lord leads with my husband, we do speak as well as to men as well. Okay, great. Okay, thank you so much for that. So, Rabbi, uh, the same question to you. Tell us a little bit about you. And then uh, um, for your foundation, kind of what inspired you to be able to engage into the foundation of the uh, Relationship Project is to you helping so many hundreds or thousands of people. You know, as I looked at your website as well, <clears throat> you have uh, uh, an impeccable team and also you also have tons of resources for individuals just to come to your website and be able to review for support and help as well. So tell us a little bit about you and what compelled you and your wife and team to be able to get started in this. Sure. It's it's funny because I see with this work a lot of times it's very personal. Um, a lot of my colleagues, they got into this work because they had an experience in their own relationship. So when my wife and I were they married for with our first child, that's when we started getting some more conflict to the point where we needed, maybe it was because we were just uh, sleep deprived, but 
we need to do something to help help save this marriage and make sure that it would survive. Um, especially it was hard for my wife because she grew up as a child of divorce. So she was used to seeing you know instability where I was on the other hand, I had a very stable home. So it was hard for me, it was hard for her. And we didn't understand what had happened. You know, we thought like, you know, we were it's a dream relationship, and now it's more like a nightmare. Mm -hmm. So, you know, God led us to find a skilled imago therapist. We had two separate people had told us about this imago therapy. Um, and we found an imago therapist and we worked with him and it was just like we were back together again. Like everything was everything seemed like we had hope. We saw the reason for it. You know, when you see the reason for the challenges, then it makes it much easier to commit. But if you think like, oh, I just made a mistake, then it's hard. So we were inspired. And at the time I was getting a master's in psychology. And I also was, I wanted to be a pulpit rabbi. And I was traveling for various job interviews. But what happened in the end, I would say like, you know, my, my rabbinate ministry, whatever you want to call it, became helping couples. So I actually got trained in this couples modality called Imago Relationship Therapy which for me, it was very spiritual. I felt it very connected with my own, you know, beliefs, Jewish beliefs. And just in terms of the idea that when you, you help people heal and come back together, it's a, it's a very, you know, it's a very spiritual thing. So it really spoke to me on a, on a deeper soul level. And I was really inspired to do it. So I had my own practice locally for a while. I, I used to write, you know, I used to write articles and speak kind of about some of the connections between um, the relationship between a couple and between us and, and God. And I felt inspired by that. But then at some point, my wife actually encouraged me, says, we need to do something for the children. We need to make something bigger. Because she knew what it was like to be a child of divorce. She didn't want to have that happen for other children. So we made a more of a global initiative. And that's when we created the Marriage Restoration Project. And to provide resources, our online course, to provide training, um, helping couples in other locations around the country, around the world. Um, so it became kind of bigger than just a, a local local mom and pop uh, practice. And it's really our, our goal to be able to help people heal because we believe that people can heal. And they just need to have the right tools and, and, and understanding of relationships to be able to get to that better place. Absolutely. Absolutely. And for both of you, I think you're doing a wonderful job. You know, a, a lot of times individuals, uh, you know, they don't know where to go to to get the information and the resources. And we, when we can provide these resources for them, that can be able to start the healing process as well. And so um, I applaud both of you for the efforts that you try to do to try to help those in their relationship. So we're going to start with Mary. We're going to go back to Mary. So talk to us a little bit about when you mean um uh, domestic domestic and bullying now that's something very very interesting in a relationship and as to um sh showing us as to how people can do that i mean you know it's, it's sometimes people can put on many facial mask and we will never know what actually goes on in a relationship but there are behind the scene domestic and bullying too, you know. And so talk to us a little bit about that as to how you reference that to um, your, um, your, your brand and to your team and to the people that you assist to counsel.
Okay, okay, great. So we want to do a video frequency check right quick. Can every can both of you hear me pretty good? Because I think yes. yours is breaking up a little bit, just yes. a little bit, Mary. It's breaking up just a little bit. Your uh, your uh, frequency is so. I just wanted to make sure that everybody is kind of clear uh, on the frequency. So um, thank you. So um, Rabbi, so take us into like a, an initial intake. Um, in regards to um, the, the the marriage restoration project, so take for instance, you got this couple. They, they they're going through, and they said, you know what, this is it. And so they said, no, we we're going to go to the to the um, the restoration project. We're going to see if we can get some help about this before we go to any type of divorce. So take us into some of the initial steps that you provide for those <clears throat> seeking on the internet online, if they perhaps maybe come to uh, the synagogue for assistance and help, or even they just come to the brick and mortar. Tell us a little bit about the intake process as to what to expect if they, um, if um, a couple was to come to you or your wife or your team and say, look, we need help before we even go to the divorce court. Sure. Yeah. So, I mean, we usually speak to couples that are interested in terms of working with us privately or in our groups, we talk to them on the phone first and just get an idea of what's going on. And then once they come in the door, we really try to help them understand a little bit more about, well, share with each other why they're here, but also remember yeah. when they explore why they first came, fell in love in the first place. Um, because, you know, it's interesting. <laughs> you know, we have people from all different, a lot of people forget about it. And yeah. we, we believe that if a couple, if, you know, if a God put a couple together, then they're in the right relationship. They just have right. to question is how do, how do you make it the right relationship? So we show them how, how at least this is what the imago, imago therapy believes. They believe that, that a person is attracted to somebody who's going to remind them of their childhood. So we said that marriage is the unfinished business of childhood. So God really puts you with a person. He makes you attracted to a person mm. over everyone else who's going to come there and be able to help you heal. But it, they're going to also maybe they could also wound you in the process if right. you're not conscious about it. So we help them be able to see that. And when they start seeing that, oh, the very issues I have with my spouse or the very or my own issues that I need to work on, then they see that you know, they see the divine providence and putting them together, this couple together. And it gives them the, the commitment to realize, well, if I leave this relationship, I'm going to have the same problems elsewhere because I'm taking myself with me and I'm half the problem. So that's kind of how we get started to help them explore that. And it becomes an eye opener when people realize that the childhood, that this is not just an accident. It's just that I happen to marry this person. They're no good. Let's move on. They see that there's really a, a deeper reason for being here, right. a deeper opportunity for growth and healing. And that's a big aha moment. And that right. gives couples that are that are struggling, that are doubtful, the commitment. To, mm. so that was, I would say like that's the first, there's a lot more we do, but that's like the first thing just to give them a whole different mind, mind shift. Um, okay. Okay. Great. Okay. That's, that's a great answer. Um, so this question is for Mary. We're still talking about bullying and domestic violence. So um, let's go back before they get married. Let's go and talk to the singles before they even think about choosing. So we want to talk about the importance now. Now, here's a, here's a challenge question for both of you all. This is a this this is a single couple. They're desiring to get married. And, and look, Rabbi, I was just... Um, 
uh, talking about it in Bible study this morning online about, you know, God mates us up to the right person. I want to reflect on that, too, because you, if we think about Ahab and Jezebel, I mean, they was connected because they rebelled against God, both of them. And so that's what I was sharing with the audience this morning on our Bible study. And But when God connects us together, first of all, we have to be patient and we got to make sure that that's the right fit, because sometimes the, the adversary will come in there and say, oh, go ahead, take that risk and what have you. But we have to wait on God. We don't want to be like Saul that was disobedient, that he did not wait on God until God, uh, you know, gave him the go ahead. He went and did whatever he wanted to do. And so uh, that just kind of made me uh, um, uh, think about it when you said that and what have you. You know, God makes us up to perfectly yeah. together and we have to wait on to see um you know what god has to say about it sometimes we can make the wrong turn so anyway i just wanted to iterate on what you know on yeah. that because that just came up that's where i popped my finger i said that's a confirmation of what god gave me this morning thank you god and so thank you for that rabbi so um so mary so talk to us a little bit about that we're going to start from the beginning before the people get married do in-laws. We're going to talk about in-laws now because this is very important too. Just like Rabbi stated, it's something that goes far beyond. It goes back to a childhood situation. And sometimes when people are getting married, they, they're connecting together. But sometimes people, a lot of times people go to, to the divorce course because they don't understand each other. They're coming from two different backgrounds. They're coming from two different backgrounds and those two backgrounds of raising and training from different parents and what have you, they're engaging together. Sometimes it's fireworks and sometimes it may not be fireworks. Sometimes they can understand each other. So do you, it, what, the, what, what you do to help individuals, do you see in-laws as an issue, as a bullying, you know, because sometimes people don't have to hit you to do domestic violence. They can do domestic violence with their mouth. And so do you see this <clears throat> as an issue in how you um, work with couples, you work with um, your audiences and what have you? We're going to talk about this in-laws. People don't never want to talk about the in-laws, but it is very, very important. It plays a very major factor in sometimes how people go to the divorce courts. We're trying to stop these divorces through these conferences. So talk to us a little bit about that. Absolutely. One of the things that come to mind as you share that, Pastor Diane, is when it pertains to the in-laws as well as um, different outside interference, which is it can be your also friends. OK, and one of the scriptures that come to mind is in Genesis, where God said the man should leave his father and his mother and cleave to that, his yeah. wife. That's right. <laughs> and one of the things that really resonate with me and my marriage is that we have to silence the outside voice and their impact in that because God knows what's going to happen when you involve other people in there. And it can be from, you know, I had one person inform me that, you know, my mom did it this way, so I'm going to do it this way. Yeah. And it's not that they look at submission as far as I'm not going to allow anybody to have control over me. So they are Actually, I see women operating in the man role where they're taking more dominion and they are taking more authority while the man is actually being silent because this is what mom did and this is what father did. So yeah. what works for one person is not going to work for your couple, right. work for that couple. And that's what I have to remind myself is that 
just because someone offered this advice doesn't mean that it's for me. You can right. give me your advice based on your experience, but what does the word say? The word did not say that my husband is going to cleave to me and my mother and my friends. No, the word is telling us that we have to go back to the source of the matter. And right. then also in the word, it tells us, let know what God has joined together. Let no man put us asunder. Mm-hmm. And that means that Division is going to come if you leave that door open. And as singles, we have to recognize, we have to get in that mindset and prepare ourselves. If your desire is to get married, like my desire was to get married, I would say in 2011, I was actually engaged to someone else. Mm -hmm. Okay. And God showed me, I had different red flags, but as a result of that, I went through this process going through pre-marriage counseling. I went through this process because I fantasized. I know that I wanted to be married. I knew that I was called to be married, but I was trying to settle with this person regardless of the verbal abuse, regardless of the emotional abuse and the potential physical abuse. So sometimes as men and women, we have to recognize what is God showing us in the midst of this process? Is this the right candidate for me? And if it is the right candidate, I evaluate everything according to Jeremiah 29, 11. God knows the plan he has for me is not to harm me, plans to give me hope in the future. So if God brought this union together and bringing this union together, we have to know that everything he put together is good and it's right. not going to cause harm. And as a result of evaluating that, I was able to break off that engagement and save myself for my husband today. And we've been married close to five years. But I just say that to say that God has a plan for you and he will connect you and he will make you and he will mold you to prepare you for the right one. Okay. Okay, great. Fair enough. Okay, so Rabbi, with the with the marriage restoration project, we want to um, also ask you as to Take, for instance, a couple comes to um, <clears throat> your ministry, your organization, and they say, well, we're having problems with our in-laws and what have you. What is it that we can do? Do we need to set up any type of boundaries? How can we be able to, because sometimes it's difficult for a mother to detach from her child, even if they're going if they're uh, going to the, uh, to the altar. Sometimes it's difficult for a father to detach. He still wants to be a part of his, if it's his son's life. It may be the only child that he may have. It may be the yeah. only child that they may have. What are some of the tips and steps that you give to single couples that are trying to get married or if they are already married and they are still having trauma in the relationship because of outside interference? Sometimes people don't even know that they're interfering. Sometimes it may be the son that may be afraid to go in there and say, oh, well, you know, I don't want to get rid of my mother, but I still love my wife and what have you. But of course, we cannot have all the time bacon, sausage, eggs and cheese on the same plate. Sometimes we have to make a decision. So what are some of the steps that you would advise for single couples in regards to this if they came to you and your wife and your team with the uh, project, the restoration project? Sure. So, yeah, I mean, as, as Mary was saying, it's really important that to have that relationship with, with your spouse or your spouse to be that you cleave to them and you don't involve, you know, your parent, you've left your parents, but you also have to, but you also have, there's still, you know, to honor your parents and you want to have a relationship with your parents, so it it, it can be complicated. Um, you know, there's various types of situations that occur, but 
number one, it's important. The most important thing is if you strengthen the union between the husband and wife, meaning if the husband and wife are on the same page, then when they go, they can go as a united front. So for example, a lot of times before holidays, people will come and they'll say, we're going to my in-laws before the holidays. You know, every time we go there, we have this type of problem. So I said, <laughs> we need to talk. It can resonate. <laughs> you, we, we need to talk. <laughs> we need to talk. You guys need to talk about what do you like? What do you foresee happening? What do you need from your spouse in that moment when when the, the mother, the father makes that comment? And sometimes even just going in on the same page, they sense that you're united. Right. And they already know almost sense that we can't mess with you. Like we're not going to get, we're not going to interfere. We're not going to make those comments because they don't appear vulnerable anymore. So it's very important. The stronger the relationship between the husband and wife, the, the, the better they'll deal with the parents. And it's important, especially if, if the, if it's in with an in-law and, you know, sometimes the spouse can feel insecure let's say, about, um, you know, and they want that they're, they want to make sure that their spouse has their back. Mm -hmm. And that they're going to be able to stand up to their, to the, you know, to the parent, which is a hard thing to do. It puts a kid, mm -hmm. a child in a very difficult situation mm -hmm. when their spouse has a hard time with their parents. Mm -hmm. So at some point, I would say you have to set healthy boundaries. Sometimes you have to be able to have a conversation and say, you know, to your parents that we love you very much. We want to be in a relationship with you. Um, but, you know, here is like, this is like, if you make comments about my wife, you know, we really can't feel comfortable coming over or. They just set boundaries. And unfortunately, some people are unreasonable. And no matter how nice you talk to them, they're just going to be, uh, you know, so, so you have to, so you have to know, you have to know going into it. Like, right. if you know, this is how this person's going to be, and they're never going to change. Mm -hmm. And are you willing to deal with this, whether it's, you know, once a year or whatever it is, are you willing to deal with this for the sake of peace, for the sake of having a feeling that you have a relationship with your parents or in-laws? And if, sometimes people can't deal with it sometimes it's just too much and sometimes you have to take a little i don't i'm not i'm not really into like cutting people off i don't think it's a good idea in mm -hmm. general but sometimes people need a little bit of a breather to take a little bit of a, like a time out i know i need to take a little bit of a time out you know for my parents right now because yeah. it's you know it's too toxic mm -hmm. but that's a but if you but if you know what it is and you still want to be engaged with them that's also okay but you just have to know what you're getting into uh, but ideally, of course, setting healthy boundaries and agreeing mm -hmm. to them would be the best. Mm -hmm. Even though this may not be, I don't know, appropriate uh, remark, but you know, when you look online or when you watch the news and you see a lot of um, cases where the husband, I mean, I just, I, I, I'm, I do investigations and stuff like that too. So, so I love court cam and different types of TV shows and what have you in law and justice. And so I saw this case where this father had, 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 had uh, murdered his wife, but he went in there and murdered the father too. And so, um, I, the first thing I thought about it, I said somebody had to either that was a daddy's girl and perhaps the gentleman perhaps maybe got offended. And so that's the reason why it's, it's, it's very, very important. And we see these cases all the time, <clears throat> not to be biased or opinionated, but we see these cases. And I think that if the church is not helping the relationships, the marriages, and 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 what have you and i think there's there's millions of people don't they don't even know that they can have resources to be able to reach out to 
to as well. And so he was sitting there on the on the defense side. He did not have any remorse. It was like, okay, boom, I got you, and boom, I got your daddy. And so, and and, I, and, and even though he was the one that did the wrong, I felt sorry more for him simply because of the fact that that was a situation that he was in. He probably couldn't cry out and tell anybody. He probably did not know how to, and it, it's wrong what he did now. I'm not gonna sit back and try to shake his hand and say, hey, look, you did the right thing. But I'm just thinking about how how was he entrapped in some things? Because now we had, in our local jurisdiction, we had the same thing where these, this, 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 this married couple had went in there, father and mother, and they, they, they hugged and, and, you know, engaged with this daughter, everything that she was in, they was a part of it too. And when he got out, she had a straining, restraining order against him. When he got out, he killed them all. He killed the, he killed her, killed the wife, and he went in there and killed the daddy. Right. And so even though that's a little sensitive and what have you, but it's still important so people won't get to that edge. That's a that's like a domestic violence edge. We're going back to you, Mary. We still want to stay right here for a minute because people are suffering in their relationships because of outside interference. I'm just being honest about it. I mean, I know that may be a little uh, a little strong content and things, and we're going to put a disclaimer on this uh, before we get ready to release it. but. You know, it, it it was wrong. Like I said, it's wrong what these guys do, but I don't think that the parent is either willing to give up, the parent is not ready to release their children, or it's just been so much interference with the parents that the that the other partner, they lose it. That's crazy. <laughs> they lose it. Nobody to talk to. Nobody to turn to. Nobody to to help to understand the person, whether it's the, the husband did it or the wife did. So we want to talk about that, Mary, about this. That's domestic violence. We're still talking about that's bullying as well. I don't know if the father may have said, because you got some mo some mother-in-laws that you can't tell me what to do. That's my child. They, they, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. They'll tell you that straight up. And so when, when a person feels that I'm at my wit's end, I can't go any further. And so when the next snap come up he just the person just snaps and like i said it was totally wrong we know that god does not like murder we don't agree with that but then as i saw him sitting in the seat i felt sorry for him too what had to happen to lead him up there and it had it was not just the wife he she he killed the father too so the father had to have been meddling he had to have been doing something and that hurt me right there i'm like nobody was there to reach out to this man or he was not open enough to reach out to somebody before this even got to that point. Now you 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 got a you you got a, a, a father that's dead, and his his daughter is dead because some kind of rage went on. Something had to have been going on behind closed doors for that to happen. And like I said, in our own local uh, jurisdiction right here, where we where we're from, the same thing happened some years ago. As soon as he got out of jail, pow, he shot the wife. Pow, he shot the daddy right in front of the, their children, their little kids. That's crazy. Church people, go to church. I mean, Come on, Mary. Yeah. Okay, go ahead, Rabbi. She's maybe having... No, I mean, I think that there's... I mean, yes, I think we need to deal with the relationship. I mean, I, was, I don't know much about this, this young man, but... Um, I think just in general, mental health is something that needs to be addressed in our in our communities. Um, that somebody could get to a point where 
they get so frustrated and angry that they do that. I mean, I don't know if he was mentally ill or, yeah. or, or had his, you know, I'm sure his life was not so simple, not to justify it at all. Right. But to do such a heinous crime, um, you know, most people who have a, a healthy, you know, a healthy childhood and, uh, and are mentally healthy are not going to do something like that. They have, they have some type of, a little bit more self-control than that. Um, so they're obviously, you know, I think that we have to, mental health is a huge thing that we need to, besides the relationship piece, which is important as well, but just in general, mental health needs to be addressed and people need to be get, get help and it doesn't have to be stigmatized that it should be a normal thing that people can ask for help or that we have services that provide people with help in, in communities and schools, et cetera. Okay. Okay. Great. So um, hopefully Mary will be back on in just a minute. So tell us a little bit of even about the, the marriage restoration project. So now do, um, are there uh, community groups that you all group off into, or, you know, I know people can be able to come to you, of course, a one-on-one -on -one counseling, but do you all have like um, different types of um, events where you um, are in the public, where you can be able to go in and then the, you know, the couples or can be able to group like here in Tennessee, you know, people, they have marriage seminars, they have marriage conferences, they have marriage um, Valentine's Day, they do a lot to try to help to and be able to empower a relationship. So tell us a little bit about that as to the outreach that you provide, you and your wife and your team provides in order to make marriages even better and greater so they can grow healthier in Christ. Yeah, sure. Um, so in terms of, yeah, so we have, we have retreats for, you know, and we have people from all different backgrounds, all different, you know, all different religious beliefs. Um, but what we do is we help we help we have some resources online that which are free people can like a, we have a podcast we have free books we have a blog post um and then what we do after, for people who want something more they need and we have an online course it's like a do-it-yourself program but then the people who want something more like interactive we do have we usually have in baltimore uh four times a year a group workshop okay for a couple of comments like a weekend like two days um and then we also have private retreats. So we have private retreats in different locations around the world, the country where we meet two days and do follow-ups. And we also have some exotic retreats. So if couples want to go on a vacation, like we have one coming up in, oh. in Belize, you know, in Central America and one in Costa wow. Rica, people want to get away, have a, a nice like romantic getaway, but also be able to do a group workshop. Um, so we also do that as well. So we really try to meet couples uh, and we have on social media too. So we're, we're trying to reach everybody where, you know, where they're at. Uh, and to help them to get the help that they need to, to have a healthy relationship. Okay, great. Okay. So Mary, did you remember the question that I had before? So it's, it's uh, I want to go back to you um, to be able to elaborate on that a little bit. Um, uh, Rabbi, I have already elaborated on uh, what we just uh, kind of discussed in relationship in regards to interference and things like that, and in some constructive ways as to how we can be able to prevent, you know, Rabbi had shared, um, you know, previously, you know, some things are mental. Sometimes people may have mental disorders as to why they react to you know, certain issues and problems that the way that they do. And then two, even if, if, if we'll say it's mental and even if it's mental, we still got to find ways to be able to help them as well if they want the help. Absolutely. Pastor Diane, please forgive me as we know that any assignment, the enemy is very busy. That's so okay. I did remember the question. I would Absolutely. say as it, as it pertains 
as it pertains to domestic violence, it is it's really hard to deal with. Okay. Okay, wrap up. She's still talking. Yeah. <clears throat> it looks like her connection is frozen. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, okay, so, okay, Mary, hold that thought for a second, okay? I know you're probably still elaborating on the question that we kind of talked about, so hold that thought for a minute, a minute um, because your uh, screen is still freezing in and out. So we're going to go back to the rabbi real quick, okay? And so, um, uh, rabbi, so we want to talk, we want to go back to the singles, um, kind of flipping back and forth. And so we want to go back to the singles and kind of share some information as to uh, relationship um, and how singles supposed to date in a relationship. I don't think, you know, and I know people, sometimes people are afraid to go to counseling, church pastors to go, you know, sometimes people don't want to be put on the spot like that or what have you. So um, in your organization that you offer, what do you offer to um, individuals in regards to wanting to get married and some of the steps? We already talked about the, you know, we already talked about the in-laws interferences and barriers we must have set up. So what are the, some of the other um, type of uh, tackles that you give for singles? Because sometimes this is a very, very critical part of a relationship as well. And then two, trying to help them, look, watch this now, trying to help them to keep the bed undefiled. So it, that's very, very important. You're talking about like, um, meaning uh, couples that are engaged? Yes. Or, or singles that are looking to date? singles that are dating and we can elaborate on singles that are engaged as well okay i mean so couples that are engaged they can come to our programs uh, we work with them but just like we work with couples who are who are already married in the sense that we teach them how to communicate we we teach them how to be able to problem solve and work through the challenges that they have um so you know those are all the same principles apply obviously a lot of times single couples are in a really good place so they're in what we call the romantic stage, so they're not really seeing all the potential problems. So they don't even maybe think there's anything to talk about. But um, <laughs> I, I, you know, it depends how long they've been dating. Like in, um, you know, like in my in the Jewish community, in the Orthodox Jewish community, you have people that you know, they don't even date that long. Um, it's pretty short. You know, in the in the regular community, you know, people are dating for for you know months, years right. before they get married. You know, my wife and I dated for I think six weeks, and then we got married three months later. Okay. Um, but some people have, you know, I had a couple that they, you know, they were dating on and off for years and they, you know, broken engagements. And so they had what to talk about. They had challenges to work through. Um, so, you know, that's one thing. And then another thing is for singles that are looking to get married, you know, a lot of times people are, they're having a hard time finding people. You know, they're looking to find a, a marriage partner, but, you know, maybe they have cold feet or they're just unsuccessful. Um, you know, especially in, in our circles, like people, they'll date to get married so they'll meet each other and then you know if it doesn't go well after a few dates you know they're mm -hmm. on to somebody else because it's not meant to be like just uh to have a girlfriend or a boyfriend it's to have you know for the purpose of marriage so in those type of situations you know people are struggling so it's really important to help people learn about themselves learn about how to be a better person in a relationship like what's their kind of styles mm -hmm. in a relationship how do they react 
mm -hmm. how to be more engaging, how to learn how to listen to somebody. Uh, and then also it helps them understand some of their own issues that they might have from childhood that might mm -hmm. be getting in the way. Um, that's also helpful for those for those singles. So some of we do work with them you know, individually as well. Right, because I do agree with you on that one. It's very, very important to get to the, the, I guess, the meat and the potatoes of a relationship because if there are some things that have went down, such as, wow, I don't really want to get this kind of technical, but if there are some things that went, that occurred and happened in a relationship to a, to the husband or to the wife, or what have you, even though it may be mental and what have you, I, I think we don't get down to the meat and potatoes of um, of individuals. That's the reason why sometimes, I mean, I, I guess I'm a little bit more compassion, passionate with others and things when it comes to when I see people, they do certain things and I'm like, okay, what is the, is there's got to be a problem that happened before, before yeah. this person perhaps maybe have arrived at this solution that they decided to do or what have you. So I think it's very, very important, uh, as you stated, you know, Get, get get to the things of the past what happened get to the root of it if there's been some infidelities you know with the, their parents that makes a, yeah. a, a big difference we're going to even go further if it was rape or anything like that sometimes it's difficult the, the the emotional part wants to connect with the husband but the physical part can't connect because of some things that has not been cleared up from yeah. the past and what have you. And I think that is very, very important because that is going to leave a trail from birth. I mean, not from birth, but from early child right. stages all the way through the marriages. You have a lot of divorces going on because of things like that. And then the husband, hey, what did I do? I'm trying to please her. I don't know what did I, what I did wrong. So we're going to go to you, uh, Mary, to be able to help complete and finish that uh, topic there in regards to, um, you know, what some strategies that you offer to your audience, to your listeners, to your followers, to your uh, viewers in regards to that, as to how relationships, especially starting off as single, how the, how should they date? You know, I mean, what is a date night? You know, you got married couples. I know married couples right now, they still date. Been married 20, 30 years and they're still dating. They still go out and put on their nice evening gown and what have you. And I think it's very, very important. And we're gonna talk about that. That's gonna be the next question about how to keep the flames burning. So we're gonna talk about, um, I want you to elaborate, you know, off of what uh, Rabbi, Rabbi and myself just uh, discussed. That's what you did. to keeping the flames burning as well as keep it Keep keeping your marriage fresh. Can you all hear me? Yes. Yeah. Okay. In regards to that, I would say you have to be on, you have to make it a purpose. You have to do it on purpose and not allow your daily affairs to take control over what is actually happening and how God brought your union together. So you have to have Sometimes it's good to have a set date night. Sometimes it's good to just have spirit of the moment where you just have lunch together. You can have um, a set time where you go out to take, like me and my husband, we just went away for the weekend. And you, you can hire a babysitter for your children as well. And also make sure that you invest in your marriage as far as getting the word you're actually listening to the word together and attending marriage classes and listening to the word together i believe all of those things will be able to help you to rekindle and keep the sparks 
in your actual marriage. But also think about this. Sometimes it's good for you to enjoy what he likes, even though you may not have a full interest in that. And okay. Okay. Um, Rabbi, so um, we're going to go to the question about what do you all offer to be able to keep the um, flames burning in a relationship? This is a marriage relationship, of course. Um, and so what do you um, um, suggest, you know, sure. that, that you and your wife or your team suggest in that area as well, to be able to keep things burning so it won't get dull. Oh, I, you know, because some women, they wear so many hats. They, they cook, they clean, they take care of the children. They do this, that, and the other. Some do the lawn and what have you. And sometimes women can be so burnt out. So, and, and the men also can get tired of the same routine as well. So yeah. sometimes the men will not say anything, but the woman will express her, her way of how she see things. But sometimes the men will just sit there and just continue to flick the remote control with his feet propped up. He won't say a word, but there are some inner things that are going on that is agitating him and he don't know how to address it with his wife and he don't know how to keep it. What can I do? You know, I'm going to share a little story with you. I went to the library back here about, I don't know, five or six years ago. And so um, and, and so this lady was coming out and I was greeting her, didn't know who she was. I said, oh, hey, how you doing? Just speaking to her. And she said, all right. I said, oh, you got a lot of books in your hand. She said, yeah. She said, um, I have to read a lot of books now because I no longer have my husband. We raised our children. They're grown. They went to college. And after they came out of college, he found out that we don't longer have anything else in common after 30 years. Really? And so I wow. really felt bad for her. I didn't know what to say. Sometimes you have to be quiet. Yeah. And so I'm like, okay, so now talk to us a little bit about that, Rabbi. Yeah, I mean, that's sad. It's a common phenomenon with people. And, you know, you get so busy and distracted and you kind of find other ways to kind of check out of the relationship. Uh, and then once once they all leave, then it's like, wait a minute, who is this person that I'm with? <laughs> I don't recognize, I don't know who they are. I have to learn how to, and, then, and part of it's learn, you know, how can I fall in love with them again? How can I date again? Uh, but hopefully, you know, you can, you know, work on this beforehand, be prevent, do some preventative mm -hmm. measures. But it is really important in that you, you have to invest time in the relationship. Just anything that's important. It's not going to happen if you don't make the time. And sometimes it sounds... You know, Mary's talking about date night, and sometimes that's, you know, it seems like, oh, well, that's, that's so boring, but you know, like every week, same time. But you know what? If you don't make a set time, it doesn't happen. So, you know, because, you know, you have good intentions. I want to do this. I want to do that. But, you, you know, you if you don't have a set time, it's not probably not going to happen. You can also be spontaneous, but there shouldn't be, should be, should be some things that you have kind of routinely scheduled to ensure that you have time together. So that's going out together, having fun together. You know, sometimes my wife always says like, when I, when I go out with her, she's like, I'm like, you're like a different person. She's like, I told you, you have to take me out of the house. Like if I'm in the house, even if it's just the two of us alone, I'm just thinking about the kids and everything we have to do, even if no one's asking me to do anything. So sometimes you just have to, you, you know, remember, you know, your, your parents, your, your, you know, your business partners, whatever you are, but you need that time where it's just husband and wife. That means getting out of the house, being alone with each other, 
um, you know, sometimes doing something interesting, like taking a course, learning something new together that helps build new neural pathways in your brain. Just having that freshness is really important. And then there's other things, of course, that are important to do, like um, to have a time where you can express gratitude, like daily appreciations. And we teach couples how to do that, to just take a few moments to look at each other in the eyes and just say something that you're feeling grateful about and why you're feeling grateful. It's really important because it's there's so much negativity and we, we tend to focus on what's wrong with each other and what's wrong with the relationship. So the more we can reinforce the positive by, by sharing our appreciations, doing nice things for each other and spending positive time with each other, mm -hmm. that will help. That will help keep the flame alive. That will help keep it going so that, you know, once the kids are out of the house and you actually can take a breath, you actually want to be with each other and enjoy your life together as a husband and a wife again. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, this question is for, I guess, for the both of you all, you know, we, we want to uh, kind of, I guess, discuss about the steps, the stepchildren. Um, sometimes relationships, people are getting engaged, they get married, but they fail to sit down and talk to their children while they're in the dating phase and process of outside children. You know, um, I know some people that have been married two or three times and they did not get it. You know, and so I went to, I think, one individual, you know, sometimes it's kind of difficult to go to people. Sometimes people get offended when you come to them. Did you ever sit out and talk to your daughter about these relationships? Okay, you're in church, you're in leadership in church. You, I'm not going to say you should know better, but we, if we read the Bible, you know, you would think that, uh, you know, you can, should be learning, especially from the first one. And so... <clears throat> And we're not here to judge, of course, because all of us are still learning on this Christian path. But my thing is to you, Mary, what would you, how do you encourage your audiences if they're in a relationship and they're coming into another relationship, maybe divorced or separated, what have you, or perhaps maybe have never been married at all. And they, um, they have stepchildren. See, sometimes the stepchildren, they get shuffled around. Nobody goes in there and talks to them. Nobody encourages them. And so they feel like they're outsiders. And then sometimes stepchildren can be able to create a problem if the loved ones, father and mother, whoever's dating or whatever, don't take the opportunity to sit down and mentor them. That question is for Mary. Absolutely. As it pertains to stepchildren, children as it pertains to stepchildren i would say you have to have the line of communication open especially with them but like for my husband and i we co-parent you know another mm -hmm. a, a child so you have to be you have to set boundaries as well mm -hmm. so you have to let the child know as far as what the i normally would say wait until it gets serious to the point where you're actually considering courtship with this person and then you bring in the child and you have a discussion with the child as well as together with your soon-to-be spouse and then you bring the other parent involved to let them know okay this is what we're going to do but also there needs to be a level of respect these are some things that I wish you can do and these are these are some boundaries that we will not cross so you have to have that level of communication and have it open, but also set boundaries. And I learned a lot of that by reading the book, Boundaries and Marriages. 
Okay. Okay. Great, Rabbi. Yeah, it's always tricky. I mean, you have situations where you have you're bringing in a step a child, or they're blended families. Also, um, it's kind of you have to. First of all, as Mary said, it's important once the relationship gets serious to bring the child in, and to let them know what's going on, and to introduce them and to try to build a little bit of a relationship with with the new the new spouse, uh, but also to validate the child to realize that it's hard for them and to let them know that you, you know you get that it's hard for them at the same time you have to live your life too and you need to have you know as long as you're marrying a good a good person you know um not the wicked stepmother <laughs> no. uh, and then uh you know, you're marrying a, you're marrying a good person and that you know you you can't just be expected to not get remarried and just stay with your your child until they get old enough to leave the house it's not fair to you either right um and then in terms of the parenting aspect, you have to realize it's going to take time. It's, you know, the first, I remember couples I work with, even with blended families, you know, it takes like in the beginning, it's rough. And it's like, you know, how do you set the roles? Who's, wow. what do the parents do? What is the, you know, you have to realize that the, the birth parents are always going to be different than the step parent. Right. Uh, you know, as much as, as much as step parent wants to be involved, um, they're still not the, the biological parents. So that, they almost don't have a certain type of, you know, say, I guess, uh, over the child that the, that the parent does. So they have to be realize that they have to realize, not expect for the, the new parent has to realize that the stepchild is not going to just, you know, treat them the same way that they would treat their biological parent and to under, try to cross that bridge and be understanding of where this stepchild is coming from. At the same time, there's certain, as you said, boundaries, certain demand boundaries that we need to make to say like, you know, there's certain things that you can't cross the line that are not acceptable, you know, for the child to do um, to the step parent, you know, in terms of amount of respect, etc. But hopefully that if as time goes on, and they begin to build a rapport and a relationship that the the stepchild will feel more connected. Um, but it's also important to not exclude the stepchild and to bring and to be able to make time for them with both together with the new with as the couple and also as the biological parent having that special time uh, to make it, because they feel like, especially if they're alone with mom or dad, and now somebody comes along and now it's like, I'm kind of gonna be losing you, mm -hmm. um, to really reassure that, yes, you're gonna be dividing your attention, but you know, you're still important to me and you're my priority too. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, so the next, the, the last, I guess the last question that, um, the last topic that we wanted to talk about, and that's in regards to finances. A lot of relationships, of course, uh, during the 2008 economic crash, and also with the pandemic that we have just had. When it comes to people losing their jobs and things like that, sometimes it will crush and crumble a marriage. I'm talking about just flat. It seems like the, the husband and wife forget about everything of what they have already built up in the relationship down through the years. It's just like, okay, there's no more money in the cookie jar. So guess what? Let's go to the divorce court. So Mary, we're going to start with you as to sharing how to encourage uh, families, uh, you know, uh, through your workshops and uh, ministry that you provide for the public, what would you say to them and things before you just, you're, you're going to throw all of this away? You're going to throw 25, 30 years away just because of the pandemic? You know, how do women or men consider that? Honestly, I would say that is, it's definitely what's hard 
when it pertains to a lot of the pandemic put a strain on a lot of relationships. Mm -hmm. And I would say that nothing is too hard for our God. That's and right. we have to understand, I was reading in Ecclesiastic 4, 9, and it was 10, how two heads is better than one. Because <laughs> if one fall, the other one can pick the other yep. one up. Yep. We have to understand that there's a season for everything right. that is going to be done under this earth. And right now may be the season where you may be experiencing a financial crunch, but you won't stay there. And right. you have to understand that and know that the purpose in your marriage is greater than what you're experiencing. This is just temporary to set you up later. And that's what I wish other marriages will understand. It's a temporary situation for a permanent setup later down the road. But you have to go through the season in order to get the harvest on the other side. Okay, absolutely. That's fair enough. Okay, Rabbi? I would say, first of all, I found that in the pandemic, you know, people who had, it's not like all of a sudden they have marriage problems. They're under the surface and then the stress brings it out to, brings it out to the open. Okay. Um, so that's number one. Number two, the cost of getting divorced is much more than staying together, mm. meaning getting divorced besides the attorneys and besides splitting up all of your assets and besides all the therapy you're going to need for your, yourselves and your children and the heartache. Um, it's just not it's it's not worth it to just go straight for divorce without giving it a try. Uh, so it's it's makes more sense to invest in your relationship, invest in future generations, your children, because you know if if you don't get it right, your children are going to have challenges, and they're not they're going to have problems too. And it's just like we we are like it's like a, the gift that keeps on giving <laughs> that nobody yeah. wants this you know marriage discord and divorce. I see it yeah. every time. It's just like people just keep repeating the same thing generationally. So. It's not worth it. It's it's definitely not worth it. It's much more worth it to try to build your relationship, to try to build what you have, the memory you have together, the the time, the children, whatever is in, entailed, and to work on that. But to realize it's you know it's stress. When people are in a stressful state, when they don't have their basic needs being met, they go into fear mode. And when they're in the fear mode, it's hard for them to have trust in God and to believe that He's going to take care of them and provide for them. And they're just they're not acting with their full brain. They're acting more like a you know like very impulsive like a you know, an animal, not a human. And we want, to get, we want to have, you know, God gave man free choice and we want to be able to, that's what makes a human being. Right. To be able to have free choice, to be able to choose to do the right thing, right. And to, to listen to God and to follow as well and to, and to treat people correctly. And when we're in that stress mode, it's very hard for us to access that. So we want to, we want to take that human or, you know, that soul that we have to kind of take, triumph over the body and the fear and the primal response and to be able to make conscious and educated decisions will be in our best interest in the long term and okay. not just that short-term you know distress and fear okay so still with the finances and stuff i promise you this is it <laughs> still with the finances when a couple is coming into a relationship the importance this question is for mary and for the rabbi uh, the importance of sitting down to manage the finances before, see, because a lot of times we, we go out and we purchase a brand new house. We don't need it. 
not at that time. We go out and we purchase a brand new car. We don't need it at that time because, and sometimes a relationship can also crumble because of the, the not planning process, the planning stage of your finances. We just, you know, sometimes we just go out, okay, I got this, I got that. And then we don't look down the road and say, well, what about the what ifs? This could happen. And so how important is, is it for a, a couple to be able to make sure that they're planning appropriately, making sure that their finances are um, strategized accordingly so they can perhaps, if something comes down the road and hit, guess what? This will not cause us to rumble or stumble. We still can be able to be stabilized even in a difficult time. And so the, you can go ahead first, Mary. Well, I believe discussing the finances often is very crucial for a marriage. And that is something that I would say, if there's a change in a the household, there needs to be a discussion about finances. You should do it way before you actually start courtship. You should do it once you decide this is what we're going to do. We're going to get married. And you should do it afterwards. That way you can make sure that you all are on the same page and when it comes down to big purchases me and my husband we like to set a limit okay if something costs over a certain amount we're going to talk to one another we're going to say hey this is what's going on i'm not going to buy a new car or a new house and then you just wake up and just realize this is what i've done but we want to make sure that we don't leave discord or confusion we want to make sure that we are one and by being one we have to communicate that even though you may think, well, he or she knows you have to communicate those things and know that this will set you up. It's not, some people feel as though if I say I'm going to tell him, well, this is how much I have, or he tell me this is how much I have and I can't do this, that is giving that person control, but it's not giving that person control. It's actually helping your marriage so that you all can have something you can you may be able to get the house down the road or the car down the road but you all need to be on the same page absolutely okay rabbi yeah um i think that's right you, you definitely have to be on the same page about finances and you need to learn how to be able to i mean part of it's communication skills people need to learn how to be able to have safe communication because finances push people's buttons people have a lot of <laughs> yeah people have a lot of baggage around money Right. People, have, people grew up differently. They have different beliefs about money. Some people right. think money is bad. Some people think money, you know, some people are used to having money. Some people like are, are not. So there's a lot of discussions right. to get to the kind of the deeper issues because that's what's causing the, you know, all the conflict around the money. Right. And then once you can get clarity about that and people have different, some people are spenders, some people are savers and you can clash on that. Um, some people are more impulsive. Some people can think down the road, like it's better to save. So all these things need to be understood and then trying to get a plan, trying to have a budget and, and to be able to save money so that you have that nest egg, you have that emergency fund um, so that you're not going to be in a situation where you're going to be in such you know, distress. I mean, you can't, you can't predict anything. You know, obviously God, God runs the world and you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. And, you know, you might think you're trying to save and then you, you know, you lose all the money in the stock market. There are a lot of things, God forbid, could happen, but, you, know, the, you have to do your effort and you have to at least create a vessel for the blessing to, to flow through. So if you have an idea of like kind of what, what you need, set that up and, you know, put that energy out there and also save, you know, what's you know, realistic so that you have that little nest egg so that if somebody loses their job, you know, you could afford to wait a few months till you know, even if you can't find a job, at least 
you can afford to be able to feed your family until then it doesn't have to destroy destroy you and put you in that very fear fear mode which gets you to the place where you're just ready to crumble absolutely absolutely well we thank both of you for being our guests on today but absolutely we do not want you to be able to leave the show without sharing with our audiences as to how they can be able to connect with you after the show you can also share your publications your website links and your social media handles or any upcoming um events that you're sharing in the public so we're going to start with mary Okay, uh, Rabbi. Um, our website is www.themarriagerestorationproject.com. And we have information, free resources, um, a free book, podcast, blog posts, as well as um, if you're looking for help, if you're looking for you know group retreats, exotic retreats that we have coming up this year, uh, all that information, private retreats, we have that information all on our website. And um, you're happy to you know, reach out to us if you have any questions. Okay, great. And so thank you both once again for being our guests to be able to share in episode one. We have episode two that is coming up on this Saturday, which is going to be very um, impactful. And then we have a few leaders that's going to be on there to be able to continue to help us in this area. Sometimes marriage and single uh, information resources is not important to a lot of people, but it is. It's very, very important. We're trying to reduce the fact of the separations and the divorces of bringing professional such as yourself onto the show to be able to help us to do better in our relationships. So once again, this is Pastor Diane Winbush, and we thank both of you for being with us on today. Thank you. Have a wonderful day, everyone.